John 6, 23. Other boats from Tiberias came near the place where they had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. Well, Larry, will you pray over the remainder of the service? Amen, and you may be seated. And I appreciate everyone being here tonight. And um, we're going to do some teaching, a little bit of preaching, but probably more teaching. John 6, 23, other boats from Tiberias came near the place where they had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. Okay, so everybody knows the story. Remember where um, there are thousands of people and the disciples say to the Lord, you know, there's so many, how can we feed them? And he says, well, what do we have? And Andrew points out, well, we've got a young lad here that's got some bread and fish. Everybody remember that story? And then God multiplies the fish. He multiplies the bread. And the congregation eats, right? So when they're done eating, then Jesus sends the disciples in the boat across the Sea of Galilee. And Jesus lingers back, okay? And then Jesus catches up to the disciples on the other side. And that's where our, our story is kind of picking up. And so I told you what just happened so you understand what our teaching point is. So now they're on the other side, and it says, Other boats from Tiberias come near the place where they had eaten the bread. That's the two fishes and the five loaves that had been just multiplied after the Lord had given thanks. So when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, this is the next morning, they themselves got into the boats and they went to Capernaum seeking Jesus. They're trying to find him. Verse 25. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? And Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me, not because you saw signs, not because of the two fishes and the loaves of bread. He said, you're seeking me not because of that, not because of the healings, not because of the blind eyes open, not because of the deaf ears open, not because I've raised the dead, not because I've turned water into wine. He says, you're not seeking me from signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Now this is a very eye-opening reality of all flesh. That you know what's greater than our eyes that see miracles and signs and wonders? Our belly being empty. Oh, I'm, I'm going to play dirty a minute. How many times in an apostolic church do we come to church and the only thing that's on our mind is for the preacher to shut up so we can go eat? I'm guilty as charged. I'm the only one in the house. Maybe Brother Crenshaw? Brother Kenny is too? Some men of the flesh who try to walk after the faith. Sometimes we're just tired, we're hungry, but these people got into a boat, sailed across the Sea of Galilee to follow Jesus, not because of miracles, not because of the power of God, but because they knew that if they hung around him, that their bellies would be full. 
You see, their reliance in life was that they were able to eat and they were able to drink. They didn't really care about blind eyes being opened if they could see. They didn't really care about deaf ears being opened if they could hear. They didn't really care about their job as long as they had a meal ticket that rained down food everywhere. Just stick your hand in the bag and you're going to pull out a fish and bread. We don't need to work. This is the best welfare system we've ever seen. You laugh, but they got into boats and was following that meal ticket. He didn't give them money. He gave them food. They said, I can do anything as long as I've got this bottom. It's like, you know, the, the magician that has the top hat pulls out the rabbit. Yeah, they invented that from this story because it was the bag and the basket of fish and bread. Every time you stuck your hand in there, you pulled out more. And it just kept coming and it kept coming. In fact, the Word of God says, let them take as much as they want. Do you know that it, it wasn't rations? He didn't say you're only allowed two fish and you're only allowed one piece of bread. He said, how many, how many garlic breadsticks do you want? This is all you can eat buffet. And they ate their fill. And all of a sudden they wake up and they're like, where's the bacon? Where's the omelets? Where's the jelly and the toast? Where's the coffee? And they're looking around, they're like, Jesus, is it ready? Jesus, and there's no answer. And they're like, well, I'm not going back to the way it was before. That man knows how to give me food. Let's go. They sail across, and they come up to him, and he looks at him, and he says, you're not even here because I'm able to heal. You're not even here because I'm able to do the impossible. You're not here because I do miracles. You only want food in your belly. It's the most basic instinct. All we need for survival is food and water. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you, for on him God the Father has set his seal. So he's, he's trying to teach these people that just sailed seeking him for the wrong reasons. He said, it took you hours to get your boats ready, get in there, all the rowing it took. They didn't have engines, right? Everybody understand this? They rowed. They rowed. They rowed across it. He says, you're working for fish and bread that I gave you over there that perishes. All this work you're putting into seeking me is for food that will perish. You're seeking me not for eternal life, not for a bread that will give you life everlasting. You're seeking me for food that will perish. All your efforts is into things that don't matter. Do you know it's, it's possible to get in our boat and to row after Jesus because we're pursuing him for a career? We're pursuing him. We are rowing towards the light of heaven that he'll give us raises, that he'll give us promotions, that he'll give us houses and cars. The whole time we're saying, I'm trying to do the will of God. I'm going after my meal ticket. And God's saying, we're rowing 
upstream. We're rowing against the tide. We're rowing against things that are going to perish. But if we will seek him, not for signs, not, not for food that perishes, but out of passionate uh, desire for the love of Christ in our heart, that will reap eternal life. There were good people that got in that boat. They just had wrong intentions. He says, do not work for food that perishes, but for food that endures to eternal life which is the Son of Man will give to you, for on him God the Father has sent his seal. Verse 28. Then they said to him, What must we do to be doing the works of God? This is a very direct question, and he's going to give them a very direct answer. So if anybody says, What must I do to be doing the will of God? Here's your answer. Jesus answered them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him, whom he has sent. That's it. What, what, what do you mean? This is how you work for God. That you believe in Jesus Christ. There's not a lot of amens because people are waiting for what comes after. They, they want an explanation. This is how we do the will of God. We believe in Jesus Christ. Not only, everybody, what do you mean? I believe in Jesus. Right. That we believe 100% in God. That means we believe that he is God. We believe that we've got to be filled with the Holy Ghost. We believe we've got to be baptized, but that's all low-hanging fruit to an apostolic Pentecostal. This is doctrine 101. That's just the first ounce, the first teardrop of faith. But that we believe that he is a provider. That we believe that he's a healer. That we believe that when he says to go, if there's a storm, that he'll make a way in the midst of the storm. But his voice said go. When we say it's the year of go, and then all of a sudden COVID happens, and we're like, well, we sure missed that. What he's saying is I'm going to put you into a place of faith that's not reliant on musicians, that's not reliant on a pulpit experience, that's not reliant on an indoor experience. We had people worshiping God in the parking lot. We had community members that heard the voice of God that came in, put their bikes in the lawn, and were standing with their hands raised. When it says go, it means go believe that God can do anything he says he'll do. He'll work it in your life. He'll finish what he called you to do. He'll do that which is impossible. He'll do that which is unimaginable. Having faith in God is much more than the Godhead and the new birth. He doesn't even want us following him for signs. He said that's an evil generation that seeks him for signs. Our relationship with God should not be, God, I need, a, I need a sign. I need a witness that you're still here. I need a, a move of God in my life to make me believe that you haven't deserted me. It says that's a wicked attitude. That our heart, our desire for God should be so much where we don't need a sign. We say, like that, 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 
that plaque that Bishop has out there that was wrote on the side of a, uh, I think, a Holocaust prison that said, even though I don't see the sun, I know it's in the sky. That even though I don't see you, God, I know you exist. I taught Elisha recently, and I, it's not in my notes, this one's for free. I was trying to teach them about how to know the will of God. And it's often incorrectly taught that we say, God, if you open the door, that's a sign that I'll walk through it. If you open the door, that's a, that is saying that this is your will for me to go this way. And I was trying to teach Elisha that we, that is elementary. And we have got to get way beyond that. Because we've got to come to a place that when we're in a room with all closed doors, that if God visits us and he says, it is my will that you go there, and we hear the will of God, and we know it's the will of God, that when we walk up to a door, we should have the maturity, the ability, and the strength, and the know-how how to open the door and walk in the will of God. But we come up to a closed door and we think, well, God, you didn't open this. It must not be the will of God. And God is trying to teach us, I'm getting you to a place of maturity that you know that I called you to walk through the door. You know that it's the will to go through the door. And I have given you the strength in your hand so that you can open the door in faith knowing that it's my will. But we think if God doesn't do it, it's not his will. It's not his will to spoon feed us every step of the way. At some point, we've got to say, Lord, I'm out here on water walking with you and not sink. At some point, the scripture that says, yea, Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, right? Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. The whole thing is, he's walking through the valley of the shadow of death. We come to the valley of the shadow of death and we say, God, if it's your will for me to go through this, then let the sun shine greatly. Let the mountains fade away and melt before your very gaze that it'll be a flat plateau that I'll see anything coming at me. I'll see all the angles around me. It won't be treacherous. Then I'll know it's the will of God. But God's like, I told you that I'll be with you when you go. Now go. But God, you've got to calm all the storms before I'll sail the seas. Now, I'm not saying that if it's not the will of God, kick every door open. I hope that we're all on the same page here. I'm saying once we know it's the will of God and the timing is right, and when God says he's going to do something, I'm going to tell you, in my experience, and maybe your experience in God has been, it's just been magical, but mine is not all the time. And there's many times, God, Brother Greg, God's told me to do many things. And when I made up my mind that it was God and I, my faith and my spirit testified it was the will of God, do you know that most of the time when I started to go on my way, the first thing I came to was a closed door? And do you know what I did? Because I'm, I'm, I'm not that bright. I come to the closed door and I look at it and I'm like, what, what is this? 
God, you told me that it was your will. I've been trusting that it's your will. I'm pretty sure I heard from you. But if it's your will, why'd you put this closed door before me? Well, I'm going to sit here and wait until you open it. Then I'll know it's your will. When we're a child in God, God will open doors so we'll know, oh, this is how God, this is the direction God wants me to go. But as we grow and we become wise and we read the scripture and we become mature, sometimes we come to a closed door and God's like, I, well, you know you got to go through there, so you know, reach out your hand, grab hold of the handle, twist. Any of you ever watched my son open a door? It's hilarious sometimes. He's got the hang of it now, but when he was learning, he'd walk up to a door and he'd go, I'm like, what are you doing, son? And I'm like, pull like a, and then I got him. I said, pull like a man. And he'd open it. But my son, when he'd first grab it, he'd only move it like a quarter inch. And I had to teach him, son, you must turn the knob. And now Boston opens doors just fine. But in the learning process, he had to learn that we've got to exert some effort to open a door. But sometimes we think God's just going to open every single door, and that's how we'll know it's the will of God. Well, that is constantly, God, give me a sign, 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 and if there's not a sign, it must not be of you. And God's saying, stop seeking signs and know my voice. Know my voice. That we walk not by sight but by faith, right? Imagine David knowing that he was to be the champion of Israel and he goes out and he sees Goliath and he's like, why, why do I got to fight a giant? What, what, what do you mean? God, you said I'd be king of Israel. Now I got to fight Goliath? You know, if it's your will, God, cause him just to drop over dead. If it's the will of God, we will never face a giant. Yeah, right. That was sarcasm. Some of you were about to say amen. That was sarcasm. If it's the will of God, I will never struggle. Yeah, right. If it's the will of God, I will never get hurt. Yeah, right. If it's the will of God, we'll never be persecuted. That's one of the greatest dangers in our church age. This church thinks it, not more life, but the church age thinks it won't be persecuted. Where in the Bible do you read that? The first church was scattered, dispersed out of Jerusalem because of persecution. We have Christians in other countries that are being persecuted right now. But if we're persecuted, that must mean that we're doing it wrong and it's not the will of God. Now, sometimes persecution means it's exactly the will of God. A little bit of trials, a little bit of turbulence, a little bit of trepidation oftentimes means that we are right in the will of God. We don't like that. I, well, at least I don't. I don't like going through turbulence. I like a smooth plane ride. 
I get a little bit of turbulence, I get a little worried. And I'm like, well, it must not have been the will of God for me to get on this plane, but Lord, I can't get off of it now, so forgive me. Come on, somebody, anybody? Then we're repenting the whole descent. God, forgive me. Forgive me, I knew I shouldn't have come on this trip. I knew I shouldn't have done this. This is the work that you believe in him who he has sent. So they said to him, then what sign do you do? Why would they ask this? This is a new special of, of, of stupid. It really is. These are the people that just watched him feed the thousands. These are the people that watched him heal, watched him do miracle after miracle after miracle. They get into a boat, they follow him, and then they get over there and he's kind of rebuking them. And he's saying, hey, you're only here because you want me to feed you. You only are here because I put food in your belly. You don't even care that I healed the sick among you. He says, you want to do my will? Then you got to believe. And then they're like, oh, well, what signs do you do? Are you, what? He just fed you. He just healed you. He just did miracle after miracle after miracle. What do you mean what signs does God do? That's like us asking God, oh God, where are you? And he says, what do you mean where am I? I was with you when you went down in the water. I was there when you came up. I was there when you spoke in tongues. I'm with you right now. But I haven't felt you. I haven't felt you recently. I haven't been able to speak in tongues recently. If we haven't been able to speak in tongues, we're not praying. That's not in my notes. So if somebody's been dealing with that, you're like, I haven't spoken tongues in a long time, then the problem is there's no prayer life. And if that hurts your feelings, I'm not, don't kill the messenger. What I'm telling you is that God wants to talk to you every day. And before you know it, that Holy Ghost in you is going to start talking back. But if the only time we're talking to him is when, God, I need money. God, I need a healing. God, I need a family miracle. Lord, I need my car to work. It's not, it's breaking down every day. Lord, I need, I need, I need. But Lord, I don't speak in tongues either. And if the only time we speak in tongues is when we're laying our hand on our car hood that it'll work. Should have bought a Honda. Should have bought a Honda. Should have bought a Honda. See, I'm funny. She says I'm not funny. That our relationship with God should be more than that. I'm going to tell on myself, right? Because I was in Bible college. And I was young, and I'm learning what, I, what I'm preaching. I was, this is what I was learning. And I worked for a car dealership, and I was what they call the new car prep guy. So all you people, when you buy a brand new car, and they pull it around, and it, it just bling. And you get in, and it smells so nice. I was the guy that made it look like that when you picked it up. 
I'm in there, armor all in the inside, armor all in the tires, vacuuming everything, taking the Monroney off the window, making sure everything was just glistened and everything. That was me. And so one night I, I was bored, you know, it was, it was almost 9 o'clock at night and, you know, there wasn't anybody buying a car at 9 o'clock at night and had a couple minutes and I was talking to the Lord and I'm just standing around sweeping up the bay that I work in and I was just having this talk that I know none of you have ever done before. I'm like, Lord, you know, I need to learn how to have faith. I need to learn how to have real, real faith where I can speak things and they'll happen. Nobody's ever done this? Nobody ever prayed for this? You're missing out. And so we had, you know when you get into a car and you see those little paper in the floor mats, you know it says put your feet right here, right? Because you don't have floor mats because those cost extra. Even though you just dropped several thousand on a new vehicle, right? So those, those little foot pads... There was a stack of them. And I'm standing there and I'm like, Lord, I believe that if I lift up this stack of foot pads, that I'm going to find a razor blade underneath. Because we use razor blades to scrape the tape off the windows. I'm, I'm telling you, I'm not the brightest bulb in the box. And I'm like, Lord, if you exist, if I'm called to be a minister, if you're real, in the name of Jesus, let there be a razor blade behind door number one. I, this really happened. You can't make this up. I grabbed those, those foot pads and I lifted them up. And there was a razor blade. There was a razor blade. Because God heard me, not a chance. Because I worked in new car prep and there was razor blades everywhere. Yeah. And I was like, I saw that razor blade and I was like, yes! Woo! I spoke it, and it happened, hallelujah, and there's nobody around. I'm like, oh, then, oh the next person that I see in the altar is going to be in trouble because I'm going to lay hands on that person, and I'm going to speak it like I did this razor blade, and the Shekinah glory is going to slay them. Went to chapel. With my peers, because, you know, if there's anybody you're going to prove that you're spiritual, it's with your peers. Chapel was going on, and the altar call was called, and I went up to my friends, and I'm like, oh, Lord, you did, it in, you did it in the stall. Lord, I saw the razor blade. God, just direct my hand. Just direct me to the person. Lead me to the, to the need. And I'm doing this. Lord, let it happen. I open my eyes and altar call is over and everybody's gone. Yep. 
Like Jeffrey says, got him, coach. It did nothing for me. And I remember the Lord dealing with me after that some time and humbling me. And trying to tell me, it doesn't work that way. You have no power. I have the power. And when it comes to the miracles, I'm going to impress upon you that it's time for the miracle. You're asking me for razor blades. And you find one and then you think it's me. But what if it wasn't me, then you believed a false sign. Because your faith was in the sign and not the God. I recently listened to Brother Jeff Arnold, and he was talking about a very similar situation. He said that he'd go up and he'd lay hands on people, and he feels nothing. Like, Jesus, help him. Walks away, and, and God's healing him. And he's like, and that's how it should be. Because the faith isn't in us. The faith isn't in signs. The faith is in him and his will. But sometimes we're seeking him for all the wrong reasons. The children of Israel, they saw the 12 plagues in Egypt. They saw the miraculous power of God when he parted the Red Sea. Brother Greg, I know you probably, have you imagined ever being there and seeing that? Have you imagined actually walking through it? These people saw all of that and experienced it. And they get over into the wilderness, and all of a sudden, they're like, oh, we need something to drink and something to eat, right? Because all the power and all the miracles of God don't matter if you're hungry. You know how many holy apostolics are holy until they're hangry? What just happened in the altar means zip if you are in an hour-long line at like Texas Roadhouse afterwards. God could have just healed, could have just did the greatest miracle in our life, and it doesn't matter because our belly's empty. The children of Israel get over, side, over the other side on their way to the promised land. On their way out of slavery, out of bondage. They are now free people. They now have a God to call their own. They now have direction. They get over into the wilderness and they're like, I'm hungry. I'm hungry. Preacher, listen, I don't care how good the sermon is, I'm hungry. And Moses does what every pastor does. He goes in and he's like, oh, you give them the earth. You part the Red Sea. And all I hear is, where's my cheeseburger? And God says, all right, I'll feed them. And he gives them manna. And he gives them a rock that gushes out water. Now their bellies are full. Now they're like, all right, let's get back with the miracles. Moses goes up on a mountaintop for a couple of days. And what's it say? The children of Israel go to Aaron. And they say, up, up with you. Yeah. Listen. 
yeah, we're glad that God did all those wonderful things, but let's get right down to the core issue. There was manna and there was water. And now we don't know what happened to Moses, and we need these things. So you're going to make us a new God, real quick-like, that will provide these things for us. You see, the golden calf was not made to do the miracles. It was made to continue the food. It was. Moses comes, because I'm going to, let me give my notes. I'm going to show this to you, right? Because some of you are like, yeah, I never read that in the Bible. Well, let me read it for you. So all the people took their rings of gold that were in their ears and brought them to Aaron. And he received the gold from their hand, and he fashioned it in the graving tool, and he made the golden calf. And they said, these are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. No, it didn't. And when Aaron saw this, he built an altar before it. And Aaron made a, pro a proclamation. This is the proclamation that the high priest soon to be is going to make. This is why God wanted to kill him. He makes the golden calf, and he doesn't say, let's worship. Oh, let the signs and wonders come. This is what he says. Tomorrow shall be a feast unto the Lord. Now that we've got everything back to normal, let's eat. And they rose up the early the next day, and they offered their burnt offerings to this golden calf, and they bring their peace offerings. And then it says this, that all the people sat down to eat, to drink, and rose up to play. The word of God. They didn't care about the signs and wonders. They cared about if they were going to be able to eat and drink. And we know what happened after that. Moses comes down and he is mad as a hornet. And the Lord's like, I'm going to kill them all. That's the word of God. He said, I'm going to kill them all. He said, I'm going to kill Aaron. And it, do you know that it says, the Bible says that Moses went on a 40-day fast right there. It says he fell on his face for 40 days. He didn't eat or drink. And he was travailing and interceding for the life of Aaron and the life of Israel. Because it wasn't in the signs and wonders, it was in the relationship with God. More Life Tabernacle, the musicians would come. I want to be able to teach the Word of God in a manner that which you can, you can understand it and receive it. And I hope I've done that. But our approach to God, and our walk with God, and our relationship with God, should never be based on signs and wonders. The scripture says that these signs shall follow them that believe. That our faith in God should be what is first, what propels us. And if God so chooses, there'll be signs that follow it. But if there are no signs, I will still walk forward in Christ. How many people 
How many of the disciples thought in their mind that it was not going to end in death for Jesus? That surely he would call down the angels. That a sign and a miracle would happen. He would slip through the crowd like he did so many times before. But in faith, Jesus went to the cross as a lamb led to slaughter. It seems to be the day we live in. You know, we're walking in a very dark time. In More Life Tabernacle, I have watched the strength of the Lord come into this church over the last while, and I've, I've watched some of you really become strong in the Lord. I love all that he's doing in this church. I love all the victory reports. I love the miracles. I thank God for each and every one of them, and I pray he continues it. I pray that everyone's cup runs over. But I'm telling you this, More Life Tabernacle, that I do not need my cup to run over for me to believe in God. He said, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. All I need is to know that God is on my side. And Lord, I know that you'll go before me. I know you'll fight the battle. I know that you will pour out blessings. But Lord, the day and age we're walking into, if there's persecution, if there's darkness, if there's trials, and it's not gloom and doom what I'm preaching, what I'm preaching, God, is that you're going to be the staff that is by my side and my strength when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. That I will not fear evil. The only thing I fear is God. Lord, I want to pursue you and not to fill my belly. But Lord, I want to be filled with the Holy Ghost. I want to be filled with mercy. I want to be filled with grace. I want to be filled with forgiveness. I feel to tell somebody in closing, if you'd all stand. Somebody, you're here tonight. You've been chasing the wrong thing. You've been chasing the bread. You've been chasing getting the belly full. God is calling all of us to chase Him. If you will talk with the Lord, if you'll pray to Him, if you'll walk before Him, it says that everything else will be added unto you. And if you put Him first, if you put His kingdom first, He'll feed you. He'll bless you. He'll fix your car Lord I've had to put my son once again in your hands I feel like we're 21 years ago with the unknowns and we're starting all over again God I've been here before this isn't the first giant that stood against my son 
And God, I'm not saying, why is there a giant? What I'm saying is like you slayed the first giant, I know in the name of Jesus you're going to slay the second giant. Lord, I'm not upset. I'm not mad that these things are coming on my son. What I am saying is my hope is in you. My faith is in you. My surety is in you. God, I can't control certain things, but what I can control is my faith in you. Oh God, I pour myself out on you in the altar. Lord, I trust you. Lord, I bless your holy name. You did it before and you'll do it again. anybody need him to do it again if you've got a need in your life right now I invite you to this altar I wonder if we all couldn't begin to make our way to this altar and say God I'm not after your money Lord I'm not after just my belly being full I'm not after the power I'm not after signs I'm not after wonders what I'm after is a relationship with you God Come on, more life tabernacle. Lord, I need you. Lord, I'm seeking you. Lord, I'll sail the seas with you even if there's high waves and strong winds. Lord, I'll walk through the valley of the shadow of death with you. <laughs>